it has been such a startingly, starting, startingly, startingly, oh gosh, how do you say? Um, now I knew it right when you said it, and then now I've lost it because startlingly, startlingly. Okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 79. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about hitting high when the culture hits low. Philosopher Aristotle once said that, quote, nature abhors a vacuum, end quote, meaning that a space left empty is unnatural and will tend to be filled up again rather quickly. Last year, we recorded an episode exploring the reasons why it would benefit us and society en masse to take an honest look at what we indulge in for entertainment and to perhaps start purging our amusements of those things which do not align with the values we hold in high esteem. In this episode, we are taking it a step further to discuss what comes next and how we can fill those freed up pockets with that which is good, true, beautiful, and yes, entertaining. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help the Modern Lady stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Mrs. K in Australia, who left us a rating and review on iTunes and said, quote, I feel so grateful to have stumbled upon the Modern Lady Podcast. They have helped me realize there are like-minded women of faith around the world, which is very encouraging. Thank you so much for your comment, Mrs. K. We are so encouraged as well, hearing from modern ladies like you all over the world. And we're so glad you enjoy the show. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. There is something that has become so ingrained in our culture that many people have totally stopped noticing it. But it's one of those things that when you don't do it, you hear it everywhere and it can be very upsetting. I'm talking about swearing, using vulgar language, taking the Lord's name in vain. And as I was researching this, I realized early on that this is an issue that isn't just bothering us pearl-clutching old Christian women. When I started Googling how to politely ask someone to refrain from cursing, what I actually saw were multiple posts from people who are upset about the amount of swearing happening in their workplaces and that they don't know how to make it stop without seeming like a prude. Studies in the workplace have shown that leaders who swear are often seen as less credible because whether we like to admit it or not, we still expect better behavior from our leaders. Our words mean things, and decorum aside, this could become a legal issue, especially as more and more women are speaking up about foul language that is often derogatory towards women, and companies need to take these complaints seriously. The same legal case can be made as well when derogatory language which uses words from someone's religion is being used in a public setting like a workplace and also makes some employees feel like their workplace is toxic. So what can we do? The website bizjournals.com has some great suggestions. The first is to understand what free speech actually is and what it is not. 
It is meant to promote the free exchange of ideas, and it isn't an excuse to insult and disrespect others. It is not a license to use foul language. The second suggestion is to ask the person what they really mean. One boss asked his employees to try to use the word intercourse in sentences where they would normally use the F word. And obviously the word intercourse doesn't make sense in those sentences. So this boss asked his team to use language appropriate to the meaning of what they are trying to say. The third suggestion is a good one. It's a reminder that we need not be overly dramatic when talking about this. We need to remember that for the vast majority of people, it is a thoughtless habit and truly unintentional. Remain cordial when you bring it up. The fourth point addresses the whole everyone is doing it mentality. But the truth is, when one or two people stop doing something, there's often a ripple effect. In To Kill a Mockingbird, Atticus reprimanded his daughter Scout after a racial slur that she said. She responded with, it's what everybody at school says, to which Atticus said, from now on, it will be everybody less one. Finally, you have the right to be heard about this, whether it's within your own family or your workplace. Profanity does have a negative impact, whether it's in our homes or our children are repeating this language or in the workplace. This article reminds us that language and culture are inseparable and that the cleaning up of one will inevitably impact the cleaning up of the other. I like that you brought up freedom of speech and the whole respect issue, because I think that's something that people don't always put together anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really underlying cause of just profanity in general, like this culture of a, a misunderstanding of freedom of speech kind of makes you feel like your opinion is more important than everyone else's Mm -hmm. versus the actual definition of what you just said, right? The exchanging of ideas. And when we feel like our opinions are the most important and we have a right to say it, no matter the cost, no matter the situation, no matter the discomfort we cause to other people, then it kind of makes sense that the the language that you choose to use, you would not consider who that impacts and how. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that as we'll talk about in today's episode, um, it's just been so, we've been so desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Michelle, it all comes down to respect, right? And if somebody mm-hmm. asks you not to, you should respect that. It's hard to believe it was only in February that we started this discussion on entertainment. Since then, a lot has happened, but it's interesting how this topic of being discerning with what we consume recreationally is not only still relevant, but perhaps even more so right now. Right, Lindsay? Michelle, I wish this weren't the case, but you're right. It seems that the uh, culture, in quotes, the culture, we're going to be talking a lot about the culture, so you can just imagine us air quoting that every time, um, has continued to spiral downwards. Um, I just feel like there's more offensive TV shows and movies and Mm -hmm. music being produced even in this last year than there really has been before. So I don't know, even in this short amount of time, I, I'm starting to feel like it's just not enough anymore for us to ignore it, that mm-hmm. you and I both, ever since recording that and then kind of journeying along in this time, we felt a very strong call to actually fight back now against the culture. And mm-hmm. we have talked a lot just between ourselves, right, as friends about how when the culture hits low, we don't just duck, 
that we feel mm-hmm. like we're ready to hit back high, right? And so we want to really talk about that and, and see what we mean about hitting back high. Mm-hmm. And I'm encouraged too. So I don't think we're the only ones on to this idea either. I do see it very slowly, maybe starting to trickle. Yeah. And, you know, we had that Navy SEALs episode too, right? <laughs> so we're all about heading back. We're, we're very into the idea of incorporating like a, a fighting tooth and nail for what we believe in aspect mm-hmm. to our episodes. Yes. And this, it really does fit in well with that because you're right. I think that uh, maybe before we were just kind of starting to notice uh, what was happening in our culture. I mean, when that episode came out, you were noting that, you know, it was fortuitous timing. We recorded it before that Super Bowl happened, mm-hmm. right? And remember the whole big thing about the Super Bowl. I know it's hard to remember, but trying to remember back to February. (laughs) (laughs) But there was Um, the uh, dance show, right? right? That had a lot of pushback across all different demographics, not just, again, the pearl clutching old Catholic women. (laughs) That's right. So yeah, like we, we see this barrage. And I think at first our reaction to that was maybe one of like shell shock. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just like, oh my gosh, it's been so subtle for so long and so sneaky for so long that I feel that this year more than any other year, it's so startlingly brazen that I think for a little while we just kind of sat there and were like, what do we do with this? Mm -hmm. And now that we've had some time to process, uh, you're right. It is time to take an offensive approach. um, In addition to that defensiveness we talked about initially. That's right. I've been itching to do a follow-up. You know this yeah, <laughs> since no. we recorded that episode. <laughs> and I do feel like it was only half of the conversation, but we were just mm. dipping our toes in because we were just still trying to figure it out for ourselves, which we still mm-hmm. are. But it was only like the mm-hmm. beginning of, hey, this doesn't seem right anymore. We feel like we need to start to do something. And so we are, you know, you and I both have been feeling an increasing movement towards pulling away from our regular TV shows and music and books and then moving towards forms of entertainment that are now 100% in complete alignment with what we believe and with our value systems. And that's the goal. Are we still there yet? No, we're still working towards it, but we're definitely Mm -hmm. feeling a continued pull to move away from those things and to move towards something. Yeah. And you know what? It can sometimes seem overwhelming and pointless, right? To try Mm -hmm. to change the culture. It seems like a tsunami almost. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially at the rate that it seems to be hurtling towards like utter absurdity Mm -hmm. and destruction some days. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a quote that was circulating recently online by Fulton Sheen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw it, but it was he says, quote, this is the choice before us, either try to revolutionize the world and break under it or revolutionize ourselves and remake the world, end quote. And I know every time <sighs> every there's a sheen quote for that, right? Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the approach that, you know, we've been mulling over these past several months since that episode came out is that, OK, that's what the culture is. Um, But as we always say, the home is, I think, infinitely more powerful Mm -hmm. than we give it credit for in our society today. And so, like, let's try to find um, ways to improve our taste, improve our culture here at home first. Mm -hmm. So I had this moment, and I talk about this a lot in that entertainment episode, but 
I realized it within my own life that I could no longer just say a little silent, sorry, Jesus, when we were watching a TV show or a movie that repeatedly took his holy name in vain, that Mm -hmm. I couldn't face or think about having to face our blessed Lord Lord at my judgment and have him say, you knew it was wrong to watch those things that were blasphemous. And I know that you knew it was wrong because you apologized to me, but you kept watching it over and over and over again. I also realized that while we were training our kids to immediately turn off YouTube videos that said OMG or that kind of language, we kept making excuses for shows that we were watching that said the same thing. And, you know, our kids started calling us out on our hypocrisy. And if you've listened to the episode on my testimony, you will know that I am truly repulsed by hypocrisy and the hypocrisy that I saw Mm. in Christian culture before I converted. So the last thing that I want to be is a hypocrite. And blasphemy is a major sin. There is no way around that. And it breaks the second commandment. Not saying the words yourself is just not enough. We must seek to avoid being complicit in the sins of others. And when we bury our heads in the sand, and we do that by choosing forms of entertainment that consistently take our Lord's name in vain, well, we should be reflecting upon that because we can't call ourselves Christian if that's what we are all the time watching and in, you know, enjoying in our leisure time and as our entertainment. And so I have to say that I really truly believe in my heart that even our non-Christian listeners should really pause and think about this because I can honestly say that even when I was an atheist and I've, again, I've talked about this before, but I mean this, even when I was an atheist who rolled her eyes at all things Christian, I would have been respectful enough if someone had asked me to be careful with my language. And the truth is people did ask me to do that, including my now husband, when we had first started dating, Mm. I would, you know, I don't think any of us, if we really thought about it, would ever disrespect the holy language and terminology of any other religion. So we need to ask ourselves why the vulgarity and using Christian terms, you know, as cursing is so rampant in almost every single TV show and movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really interesting point, because I remember when I was a kid, the Jewish people, they will not say the name of God. That's right. Right. Is yep. that true? That's yeah. true, right? Yep. They won't say and Yahweh I'm... out loud or they won't write it. They, yes. they write it only as the four letters. Yeah, that's right. And I remember learning about that in grade four. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, that's really uh, interesting, but never even growing up, did I ever question it? I was like, well, that's something, that's something really important to the Jewish people. And I don't think I would ever even think to challenge them on that. Right. So it is an interesting thought, like, well, why, why when a Christian asks for the same kind of respect, there's such vitriol and mocking almost. That's right. right. It is. It's, there's a lot of mocking with it. And so I think we just want to ask everybody, whether you agree with us on our religious views or not to really step back and think, you know, is this okay? And it's, it's just not okay. And so I'm finding it even more and more and more. We're having really hard time finding any TV show or movie produced after around the mid eighties that doesn't use take the Lord's name in vain almost every Mm -hmm. three minutes or four minutes. Like it's, it's just part of the script. It's just part of their, their, their way of speaking. Um, so I guess, <laughs> I guess if you were to ask me if my views had all have been updated since we recorded last time, I, I think you can tell by my tone that I'm even more convicted about this and I, yeah. and I feel even more <laughs> persuaded to speak out about this. And I, I think you're on the same page, Michelle. Mm-hmm. I am because I think I was, uh, I'm always someone who likes to give people 
um, the benefit of the doubt. And that goes for the culture. And mm. I was doing that for so long with the culture. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I, I have felt a little bit betrayed <laughs> a little bit. I took it personally um, in a way when I realized that, no, they were doing it on purpose. Yeah. Um, and this isn't just with profanity or taking the Lord's name in vain, but with so many other aspects of entertainment. It's like, no, they really don't care. Like They're really not trying. Yeah. Um, and I and I thought to myself, well, then I I then also need to just kind of revamp and re-edit my perspective on how I view entertainment and how I choose it then, because perhaps they're not as altruistic yeah. as I had hoped they would be. Yeah, surprise. And that, was, that was a sad thing. That was a sad thing for yeah. me. I'm an optimist, right? I'm an idealist and an optimist. And being an optimist in this world is sometimes not not great. That's right. <laughs> So as a family, I can say that we've done a pretty good job at biting the bullet and we now mm -hmm. turn off shows and movies and it only takes a couple minutes now for us to go, yep, we'll turn it off if it doesn't align with our value system or our beliefs. We used to keep a movie or a TV show on for a lot longer, you know, trying to convince our conscience that it wasn't too bad because it's got to be like, oh, it's a family movie. And I'm looking at you, new remake of Jumanji, or <laughs> because it just looks so good and I want to watch it. And I'm looking at you, Knives Out. Um, mm. we, right. We <laughs> haven't been 100% in that our choices yet. We're getting there. And I'm looking at you, Kindergarten Cop, that movie. Let me give y'all a heads up if you haven't watched Kindergarten Cop since you were a kid. Not a family movie. Um, oh. yeah, it, it starts out crazy. So anyways, just, you know, we did persevere in watching that one because we also love cops. So it was <laughs> very conflicting. It moment. was, it was, but we're, we're on the path. We're trying. Sure. Um, but we have made some significant changes and when mm -hmm. we do stray off the path, I think what's important now is that we do feel significant guilt. And it, again, I think it's so funny because we're also told in this culture that you shouldn't feel guilt, right? Like that, oh mm. gosh, no, let that go. But you and I actually believe that guilt is a good thing. And this guilt uh, is, is a way that is pushing Jason and I forward to going, okay, we're not doing that again. And then we talk about it. If we have a show on that we've watched once or twice, or we've shown the kids and we thought, okay, maybe we can watch this. And then we feel that guilt about it. We actually talk about it after. And then we bring the kids into the discussion and we say to them, you know what, we shouldn't have watched that. And we made a mistake mm -hmm. and we're so we, we're sorry we showed you that and we're going to try to do better next time. Mm -hmm. I think I would agree with that. Like the biggest change for us since uh, really starting down this path has been the conversation mm. aspect of it, right? Because we still, I, I know <laughs> for us too, it's still so difficult it is so hard yep to walk away and so we're saying this ag once again as we did in february we're recording this and we're saying these things a lot of it to ourselves yep still yep <laughs> and for sure for me because we know we still have a long way to go but the conversation and the the openness and willingness to talk about whether or not this this is appropriate or whether this is good to continue watching that i think was not even there i yep. don't think it was even an awareness or a forethought so i think that that in and of itself the increased awareness of what is going on is actually a, a, a huge step for us and for a lot of people that i talked to as well yeah we got a lot of messages about that episode we were really nervous mm -hmm 
mm. releasing that episode. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> that was our, our, one of our first ones that we released going, okay, here it goes. And, you know, pushing <laughs> post. And you guys really responded well to it. And it was the same thing we're hearing that you've never really given it second thought. And you're just starting to at least question now what you're watching in your families. And that is great. It's uh, And I think we should all be doing that. Like we were saying before, regardless mm-hmm. of what you believe are your value systems, it's just asking those questions, having those conversations and just seeing if what you are watching is in alignment with what you believe. And so mm-hmm. we were really glad to, um, you know, be part of that with you guys. And we were so yes. glad to see that so many of you jumped on board with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I really feel like we could talk forever about the current state of our culture mm-hmm. because there's so much fodder for Mm-hmm. Um, analysis here. Um, but actually what we wanted to do, right, Lindsay, was to actually talk about how to um, fill that void then, right? And how we mentioned right at the beginning of today's episode that you know nature hates a vacuum. Yeah. And so what are we going to then fill that time with? Because, you know, we just recorded an episode on leisure and you and I both still very much enjoy entertainment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and pleasure yeah (laughs) so so then what to do what to do with this predicament that's not what we're advocating so let's uh break that down that's right so like if I look at my spiritual life journey and each stage I've been kind of moving through with that that journey involves the breaking of chains right that are holding Mm. me like a prisoner to again the culture and yeah that sounds dramatic but I'm dead serious about that it is a detaching from being held back by by the culture and so that hurts that doesn't come without a whole range of emotions and the same the same thing has been happening as I'm moving away from those like kind of earthly pleasures um and and I believe that there is a an actual grieving that happens. I felt it. And I want to let you know that if you're feeling that too, that I think it's really normal to feel that Mm. (laughs) there's a sadness about maybe not ever finishing a series that you started because, and you loved it, but you're like, we just can't do this anymore. We just can't make excuses for the sex or the language or the the violence in it. Um, And you have to walk away from a show that you were actually really enjoying. And that it does, suck in some ways. And I'm sorry to say Mm -hmm. that. And so I've had to grieve that. And there is a closing kind of a a chapter in my life when I had to turn away from movies or TV shows or music that really formed me for some years of my life, Mm -hmm. right? Things that Mm -hmm. I like to watch every single year. It's like a tradition. And I think I can't do that this year because there is just too much in it that I've been ignoring. So there is going to be a lot of emotion attached to this and and I feel a grieving process. I don't know if you felt the same thing, Michelle, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. I think I was already fairly conservative mm-hmm. in the things that I chose, but it is really difficult. I think I notice it more when it hits me. It, it's like uh, when you get a taste for something, yeah. right? Like um, in terms of food, if you're walking around all of a sudden, you're like, I just want something sweet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I notice it most in those moments too, when I'm walking around and I'm like, just really want like R and B rap right now, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And so I'll turn on a, a, a <laughs> Spotify playlist, uh-huh. and you know I see all the little E's pop up, yeah, <laughs> for explicit. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize. I didn't even. Um, I, I'm a, a musical person, so I don't necessarily even hear the lyrics half the time. 
personally. And so if there, that's when the sadness hits me. I'm like, well, what are you going to do now, Michelle? Yeah. And then I have to answer that question. It's almost like a, a severing of a piece of you. And, and how can that be anything but painful? Absolutely. Growth is painful too, right? I have kids that are mm-hmm. going through growing pains right now. And it's that's no joke either as you're rubbing their little legs and their painful feet and stuff. But mm-hmm. so it, there's definitely a physical feeling of, of switching into a new phase in your life and leaving the past behind and growing. I love that you brought up song lyrics. Um, I actually have in my notes mm-hmm. here that... Um, kind of in the opposite to you though, I, I love song lyrics and I've always like whenever I bought mm. a new cassette tape and then a CD or now back to records, I've always been the person who like pulls it open and reads every single lyric or mm. I'll look them up okay. online. And you know, I've always been a writer and I just, words mean a lot to me. And I know though that most people have never given the lyrics a second thought. And no. There is a song that came out, I don't know, two weeks ago, and we will not, you know what I'm talking about, Michelle. (laughs) Yes. We will not scandalize y'all with the lyrics, but it was, has been all over social media. And I actually hate that that song is out there because it's the, and I am not a sheltered person. You guys, I have been there and seen everything you can imagine and reading those lyrics shocked and horrified me. And, Mm. um, that though sparked the discussion again. So I'm glad about that because people are like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are things being That's said true. under that good and catchy beat um, mm-hmm. to songs. And so it is starting that discussion. I mean, how many times have you been driving along with your kids in the car and you just have the radio on and you're like, oh, I love the song. And you start singing, right? And you're like halfway through a lyric and you're like, oh no. And you go to you realize it. You, you have to quickly... slowly fade out. Yeah, yeah. And the song is over now. <laughs> That's right. And it is yeah. all like so. I think what we were saying before is that I feel like it's it's been very sneaky all uh, over mm-hmm. a couple generations where yeah we didn't even fully know what was going on and now it's like boom right in your face that song that just came out. You and I were just talking about how we see billboards for a new show called Devils. Like they're not even calling mm-hmm. it anything else now. <laughs> it's just called Devils. Like there's, there's no pretense. No, yeah. no. So. Yeah, lyrics mm-hmm. for sure. Um, music has been uh, has a stronghold on me that I'm still actively trying to shake. But music is a really big thing for me. Yeah, it is hard. But I think something that's also taken us by surprise since recording that episode is just how um, just as easily almost we can change our tastes to something else yeah, <laughs> and something different, right? When it comes to entertainment, um, part of that sorrow comes from thinking that, you know, that's the only thing out there. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we have to sit in a room in the dark by ourselves forever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I honestly Which... thought that. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, this is it. Surprisingly, (laughs) right, is not the case. Um, And and there is a way to do that and to refine your tastes. Mm -hmm. There is a whole range of things from the, you know, the funny and the, you know, informal, all the way up to like really maybe trying to develop a a taste for the classical Mm -hmm. in terms of books and music and even the older movies right? Like back before sound effects and special effects and even the movies had to have a caliber um, and a standard that we often can get away with 
lacking today because of all the special effects. You're right. So yeah, yeah, there is there is a way to start uncovering a little bit. It, when we take away all that superficiality, maybe we can rediscover an appreciation for things of greater merit. You're right. And I, so like you were saying earlier, I really thought that, okay, well, I there, I was really not turned on by the idea of like substandard cheesy Christian programming. So I thought, well, I am going to have to sit in a dark room because I don't kind of like what's being offered. <laughs> and I guess there's no other option. So I will watch nothing. But you're right. It is it is possible to find entertainment that fits that criteria. criteria. And, you know, it doesn't have to be all Little House on the Prairie or praise and worship music. It just does take mm-hmm. a bit more work and creativity. So one of the things I do is I look for things that have staying power. You know, there's a reason why people still listen to Mozart or they go see Monet's art and that they still read and study Shakespeare. We have talked before about objective beauty. And the truth is there are things that just defy time and culture and remain just as beautiful and challenging and just as genius today as they were back in their day. And in my home, we learn what those qualities are that make those things beautiful and genius and challenging. And and then we seek out other things with those examples, whether they're from classical examples or we try to find them today. And like you were saying, there are sometimes we're starting to get little glimpses of people who are wanting to go back to that, who who agree with you and I are looking to, again to like elevate our senses back to what is objectively beautiful. And there mm-hmm. still can be great art and music and films being made and literature. And we can look for that both on like a local level and inter, um, internationally. And when we find those things, I want to give them my, my attention, my audience and my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I see like little, little things here and there, like, I can't even provide like actual names and stuff. I think I follow a lot of people who live in uh, like California. <laughs> and they seem to be very well connected to the film industry, but they are also devout Catholics. And all these friends and um, people who work in the film industry are also devout Catholics. And I see this desire anyways growing from these hot spots of production where people of faith are starting to get a little less afraid yeah. of um, expecting a higher standard. And if it's not being met, then striking out on their own and seeing what they can make of make of it on their own. And I really love that too. Well, I think one of the unexpected outcomes that has happened since we last recorded about this was is really how people are viewing celebrity in Hollywood. We could have never predicted COVID and the quarantine and then some of the, you know, conspiracy theories and whispers about Hollywood and pedophilia scandals and all of that stuff. And I think this, this quarantine does have a lot of people walking away from like that, that belief that Hollywood is still in its golden age and that we should watch everything that it's putting out. So there has been a big eye-opening actually of the general Mm -hmm. public since we recorded that episode. And this is why I think it's so important that we do open up our minds and our homes and our hearts to art from, you know, again, on a local level, but if you're hearing about it from California or from around the world, trying somehow to support those things, even if it's just being able to show our kids pictures or images online of work that's being done around the world. And when we stop filling our intellect with mind numbing 
programming, which is what's rampant on cable. And even starting to fill up the streaming services, they're starting to do like that mm-hmm. reality to- show type garbage and non, we, you and I like a good murder, right? We love, especially mm-hmm. a classy Victorian murder. Um, yeah. <laughs> I say well, that. Did we just create a new genre? Oh, totally. <laughs> and I, I get what I just said there, people. Like, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, I know that it's not classier just because it's Victorian, but um, it's like that's all of the programming that's coming on 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 streaming services like Netflix now. So Mm -hmm. the truth is that those streaming services, well, they get to know you, right? They track what you're Mm -hmm. watching. And they Mm -hmm. start to come up with a digital identity for who you are. And I think that we don't even realize that we're being Spoon fed a non stop stream of shows that Amazon Prime and Netflix and YouTube know that we will like so that we can just keep clicking that keep watching button, keep watching. Like we're zombies watching what they're spoon feeding us. No, it's true. Like we, it is like in every other aspect of our life too you know, we can get really complacent. Mm-hmm. And then the desire and the reasoning that might at one point have jogged us back into reality it's gone or it's lost its edge and I think that that's what we get when we kind of fill it with non-stop noise at this point isn't that in a book which book I think you were saying Lindsay oh yeah is um, it Fahrenheit 451 no it was in where they Cardinal sit and watch the TV book. oh well there's that too sorry I was just saying about how like the noise oh. the constant stream of noise is deliberate and manufactured that's actually coming from a popular political movement that's happening right now in the U.S. but then right. also Cardinal yes. Seurat's book on the power of silence talks a lot about the um, assault of noise and then Fahrenheit mm-hmm. 451 you're right like there's so many encouraging <laughs> <laughs> things that we have read you in the think? last yeah um, but the yeah. wall of TV that's just senseless and they're actually going like blah 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 basically and then they would inject your name into the program yes. so that you would turn and go oh this is about me like it's it's absolute nonsense Right, right. And yeah, it's so interesting to see how that is mirrored in our society. So yeah, it's, uh, we almost have to just turn it off um, for a little bit of a detox. Mm -hmm. And then it's like decluttering your room. Uh, The Nestor online talks about quieting your space, Mm -hmm. taking absolutely everything out of your room um, and leaving it like that for a day or a week (laughs) before you start putting things back in, because it's only then you can start seeing clearly what exactly you want to put back in. And we almost have to do that with our technology and our entertainment now, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're like Michelle and I, you love all the new things and you get really excited to listen to any new piece of music that someone recommends, you to try a new movie, podcast, book, to go to a new coffee shop or restaurant. We both love trying new things, but the reality is many people aren't like that and they want to just stick with what they already know. And this can result in pushback from your family when you're the one who's like, hey, everyone, let's stop watching the show we all love and try something from 1946. Um, <laughs> there might not be the same enthusiasm from your teenagers. Have you been watching into our into our living room? <laughs> like I do that to my poor family all the right? time. And I know I'm just like you with that. So we're totally pumped about it. And the looks, the looks we can get from our family members. So... I think that you and Phil, for the most part, and Jason and I, for the most part, have shared interests, right? It doesn't mean that they're going to be yeah. on board with every crazy show we ask them to watch. It's but true. I call this obvious marriage tip number one, but marry somebody that you have things in common with, <laughs> that you like <laughs> some of the same shows. It still might require some arm twisting um, to get them to watch some 
three-hour movie from the late 40s. Um, but there's a chance that they're not going to be as vocally opposed to it, perhaps, as somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there is still plenty of eye-rolling that does happen in my home. But I do have a few tips here of what we've done as we've tried to really change up what types of entertainment we use in our home. So the first thing mm-hmm. I do is I say, and I have to be pretend like this is coming out of nowhere every time that I say it. <laughs> I have to say, just give it 10 minutes. And I say it like that every single time. And you know mm-hmm. what? It always works. I think that we have become so accustomed to clicking off something within seconds, right? I forget. There's actually mm, a study on true. how long we'll look at something online if it doesn't appeal to us. So we actually have to retrain ourselves to give something a legitimate chance. And we need to give it more than just a few seconds. And I have found nine times out of 10 that if you give a movie or if a TV show 10 minutes, you'll continue watching it. And so I say that Mm -hmm. all the time with Jason and the kids, and I'm pretty much always right about that, (laughs) just between you and I. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The second thing I'm a big believer in is candles. I recommend candles for homeschooling, for prayer time, for... Yes, I have candles too. Do you? Yes. Kids love fire. They do love fire. And um, I know there there are plenty of moms who are scared about kids plus fire. And I mean, it's a realistic fear. I mean, yes. Yes. (laughs) But guys, that's why they have like hurricane glass holders where the the flame is enclosed. Like there's lots you can do. Um, You know what? If you haven't yet joined us in the candle, loving world for prayer time or for dinner time or for huga, which is right around the corner. Um, you don't know that the simple act of placing a few lit candles around the room, that it can change everything. Like it changes everybody's mm-hmm. moods. And so there is, like you were saying, kids are drawn to fire. They're totally drawn to a candlelit room. And I've said this before, but I bribe my kids with whoever listens the best right now gets to blow out the candles. <laughs> and it works. Oh, that's good. That is um, good. <laughs> the next thing that we're all drawn to is food. <laughs> that was next on my list yes! too. Your mind to my mind. <laughs> yep. We are the same person. Um, yeah. It's a massive motivator, right? And it and mm-hmm. it really makes all of these things like a multi-sensory experience. So you've got the candles going, you're going to put on the old movie and you bring out some delicious warm cookies or popcorn or what have you. And I really look at it as a chance to fill my family's tummy and their brain at the same time. Mm. So bribe them with food. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going, you know what? We'll bake some cookies and watch the show. And they're like, oh, mom. And I'm like, but cookies. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Do you know what Ralphie at um, the account Simply on Purpose mm-hmm. on Instagram, she talks about this all the time. The fact that extrinsic rewards mm-hmm. are fine until a person actually has the maturity and the time needed to develop their intrinsic motivation to do things. Love it. Right. So yeah, like there's everything we're talking about, the candles, the snacks, the food, these are all exterior things that we already find pleasing. Let the food be the pleasing thing. Yeah. If it's really hard for people to sit through something they're not entirely interested in yet. Right. Like let that happen. 
moment. And then as they get used to it, it is a training process and the interior motivation will start to take the place of the need for an extrinsic reward. You're totally right. And it starts to form this pattern in your brain of that was a good time, right? Like when they start to look back going, wait, there were candles lit. We brought our pillows down from our beds. We had a nice snack and we watched the movie and they might not remember the details of the movie, but they remember the entire experience. And this leads into the next thing that we do too, is consider changing the location. So whether you're trying to get your kids listening to classical music, you can, you don't have to do it where I have done this, where I'm like, we're putting on this piece, you're sitting on the couch and listening to it. And we're going to talk about it. And there is a time and place for that as well. And I did that with homeschooling, but if you want them to start to hear more classical music, well, only play it when you're in the car then. Like make the decision to do that. Mm. Or when your kids are just playing and they're playing with blocks and playing, I always have put classical music on during that time. Or as they're mm-hmm. falling asleep. Or if it's a movie night and you are, again, trying to convince them about some old movie that they have no desire to watch, do it in your backyard or build forts and that you guys can all watch the movie from forts. Get cuddled into mom and dad's bed and just watch it on a laptop if you don't have a TV up in your room. Or if you're trying to start doing read alouds, which is hard to get into that habit as well, bring a blanket out, lay under the trees, like get creative. And like we were just saying with the food that the location also feeds into this idea of, hey, that was a really good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the feelings that it evokes in in Mm -hmm. the people around you too, right? I can attest to the classical music in the car. Mm -hmm. There was a time... Uh, maybe two winters ago when we discovered Max Reiter, the composer. Yes. Um, And he does a great arrangement of Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. And I would just start listening to it um, in the car. Often when we're coming home, maybe from my parents at nighttime, Mm -hmm. to the point where my kids started calling it the sleepy time music. Mm -hmm. And they really loved it. Like they would ask for the sleepy time music. Mm -hmm. They didn't know it was Vivaldi. They don't even know who Vivaldi is, right? Mm -hmm. But to them, it was the comforting music they hear after a night at grandma's. Mm -hmm. And then, then, like I know, noticed over the course of a year or two, now they'll start saying like, is this spring one or spring three? (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) You guys... You need to go all tell your teachers about this because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, but in any case, yes, it's a, it's about the, the culture. It's, a, it's almost like homemaking on the go, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. the last thing I'm a big believer in is doing your research. So talk it up. If there is a classic film, like I start to research it myself and I get, I get the family excited throughout the day by like dropping little hints about it or um, telling them about the actors that are going to be in it, giving them a little bit of reason to think that this might be pretty good. Hey, it won some Oscars or whatever. Like I I know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about before I just drop a movie or something on my family. But if you're changing something bigger, like making a decision or a new rule that you're no longer going to watch violent movies, I do think it's important, again, that you do your research and you know some statistics and stuff and talk to your family about why this is important. You and I have often said that in the past, a mistake I think that a lot of families made, especially a lot of Catholic or Christian families, was that they were saying no, 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 without the Mm. why. And Mm -hmm. so we don't want to just say, no, we're not watching that movie without saying, actually, guys, there is a link between violent movies and violent behavior. And, and so just really getting everybody involved and just saying that this isn't just me willy nilly as the mom deciding that we're doing all of these new crazy things. Um, Mm -hmm. But that saying that there is a purpose and a reason and that, you know, families that do a weekly three meals a night, um, uh, three meals at the table a week tend to stay healthier and have less chance of diabetes or whatever, like this is something I'm reading in a, in a book right now. 
Right. But when you have that information and you're armed with it, the kids, yeah, have a deeper appreciation a little later on that mom maybe knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it just rounds up the whole experience of it too. I know I love learning about the thing yeah. that you're trying to develop a taste for. Classical music is a great like starting out point for that too, even for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So like even going beyond the fact that you're going to try to sell this yep. to the other people in your house for yourself to start appreciating it. I found it so helpful. Oh, totally. Um, like, you know, Vivaldi was a yeah. Catholic priest and did you know I that? did not. Oh. I was two milliseconds years old ago. I don't know how that saying goes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, yeah, Catholic priest. I didn't know he that. was a very devout Catholic priest who his uh, his genius in music was was noted very early on by his bishop, who then relieved him of his duties of having to be a parish priest who could just write music for the church, and had um, a beautiful story of his deathbed and just how holy and devout that man was. And yeah, I mean, and if you actually Google, wow list mm-hmm. of um like catholic visual artists you will get mm-hmm. 500 names on a wikipedia article and it's like so if you start doing the research and then making you can create your own at home fun curriculum outside of homeschooling where you're just showing your kids the stuff the more excited i have learned this after being a homeschooler for 5 years if you're excited they get excited and that goes for your kids that goes for your spouse that goes for people you have over at your house and you're like hey let's do a movie night like it really is mm-hmm. contagious, right? If it shows that if you know what you're talking about and you have some interesting tidbits, you're right. There is an element of selling it to people. And once they trust that you are going to pick some wonderful things that you're all going to enjoy, you don't have to sell it as much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have been saying the words hit high a lot over the last couple of weeks. I've been talking <laughs> to people and I'm like, so when the culture hits low, we hit high. And mm-hmm. it's just been kind of this mantra that's been repeated in my head. And what it ultimately means is that we need to elevate our tastes. The more the culture devolves into chaos and darkness, the more we need to fight back with truth, beauty, and light. Mm -hmm. The culture is going to continue to hit low and the lower it hits, the higher we need to hit back. This is not a time to be passive. We can fight back with our money and our voices, our choices, what we watch, listen to, and read in private in the darkness. Our choices will either feed a system that will continue to produce filth, or it will feed a system that will finally see that there needs to be an increase of media being produced that is objectively beautiful. In 1825, French lawyer and gastronome Jean-Brier Savarin said, tell me what you eat and I'll tell you who you are. It's still about consumption and what we consume tells us the truth about who we are. Only dead things float downstream. Only the culture of death can continue to drag along with itself people that have lost the will to fight. Hit high, ladies. Swim hard against the current. Choose beauty and order and virtue. And if you are a mother, you have the chance to raise the next Bovaldi, Cezanne, or Dostoevsky. And well, even if that's not quite possible, at least we can raise kids that have a love for great art and a high standard of beauty. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? 
There's a movie that I've seen talked about in Catholic circles many times over the years. And when I mentioned it to Jason, he told me that it's also a favorite among Protestant circles with many oh. of the women he went to college with suggesting it for movie nights. In fact, he's watched it so many times. He really wasn't interested in all in watching it with me the other night. But I rented it on iTunes on my own and settled in to finally watch. Yes. Can you guess? No, but I'm dying okay. to know. <laughs> Babette's Feast. Okay, yes, I've heard about it. I have not seen it either. Okay, okay. It is a Danish film that was made in uh, 1987. And the storyline is simple. The acting is brilliant. The set design is sublime. The whole movie is a mood, to use current oh. language. <laughs> it is a level of hygge that I aspire to now more than ever. It oh my goodness wow. I I'm like gushing, um I won't spoil the plot but it is about two sisters who never married and are now elderly and they have continued on in a ministry that their father had started in their very small community, and their approach to the Christian faith is just very very puritanical about you know it's all about just suffering and self denial and it's set in the mid 1800s. And these women, the sisters, take in a French woman who had to free, uh, flee France during the revolution. And they mm -hmm. can't afford to pay her, so she cooks for them to earn her room and board. Now, something happens to this French woman, and to celebrate, and in the spirit of gratitude to the sisters that took her in, she, Babette, decides, decides to cook for them a very French meal, something so different from the bland food that they've um, been eating all along. Mm. The movie is overflowing with Christian symbolism. It left me in tears. Uh, it made me reconsider again just how powerful we are as homemakers and how even a life-changing meal served skillfully and with love can change everything and can impact everyone. I won't say anything else except for it is 100% my new all-time favorite movie. And I will be watching it again this afternoon before it expires. And I will be watching it once a year. So if people are looking you know, for an example, like what we're talking about in this episode of moving forward and things that are beautiful and well done, Babette's Feast. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I need to immediately go rent it myself. Yes, please. I will do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what have you been loving this week? Okay. So I also have a movie, but this will be a family movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's produced by G Kids Studios, which is the American distributor for Studio Ghibli. Oh. So the movie that I will recommend right now is called Mune, mm -hmm. uh, spelled M-U-N-E. <laughs> and listen, I love a good storyline and I've always loved folk tales. Mm -hmm. And this movie has a really interesting concept in explaining how the sun and the moon travel across the sky day after day. And that's kind of the basis for this whole movie. So it's just simply a good story. I wish more producers and directors would have more confidence in their ability to tell good stories, that they didn't feel the need to clog it all up with the other junk. Um, and I'm always up for, for that, no matter what the genre. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.